On a recent Friday night at a Washington, D.C. club, comedian Joel Kim Booster performed in front of a packed house. He wore a pair of black cropped overalls with a white muscle tee underneath. Right now, I would say my aesthetic is very uh, Janet Jackson backup dancer in 1994. Joel's always paid attention to how he presents himself on stage, which, he told me, isn't necessarily the norm. Most of my straight male comic friends will tell you, like, we don't think about what we wear. I don't waste brain power on what I wear. It's more important for me to use that for jokes. So it's like jeans and a hoodie and, you know, whatever shoes they're fucking wearing. And it's like, great. I don't know where that extra brain power is going since you've just wearing the same hoodie that you've been wearing for the last five years. Joel was adopted from South Korea as a baby and raised by a white family in a mostly white town outside of Chicago. His parents were evangelical Christians, and he was homeschooled until his junior year of high school. He knew he was gay at a very young age. He jokes that he knew he was gay before he knew he was Asian. But he didn't tell his conservative family that. Growing up, Joel often felt out of place. But instead of turning inward, he got really good at making people laugh. You learn that as a, as a defense mechanism pretty early on when you're a kid who's different, I think. Um, you either, you know, go silent and try to be invisible or you learn to deflect. And the way I learned to deflect was by making kids laugh. Joel's upbringing has provided him with some of his best material. Within the last few years, Joel's had his own Comedy Central half-hour special, performed on Conan, The Late Late Show, and released a comedy album called Model Minority. And this fall, Joel is co-starring in a new NBC sitcom called Sunnyside. Today, Joel Kim Booster tells us about how his style has evolved as his comedy career has flourished. I'm Emily Spivak, and this is Dress Codes from New Balance and Gimlet Creative. Joel's first item is a blue gingham vest he saw in a Kohl's department store when he was around seven years old and then begged his parents to buy for him. At that age, he was watching a lot of television, and he thought the vest might make him look like the kids he saw on TV. I wanted to look like Simon from Seventh Heaven for most of my, like, young, pre-middle pre, like, school that was like the picture of normalcy. And I was like, he is the normalest kid and coolest kid. And I want to look like that. I want to have that haircut. I want to be uh, basically like white and upper middle class. That was like the picture for me. I was always chasing like a sense of normalcy. I was like, why aren't I in school? Why don't I have friends? Why aren't I having birthday parties with, you know, huge this, that, and the other thing? Like, why doesn't my life look like it looks like on TV? And I, I was really resentful of that. The vest, um, it was one of the first times I started to develop a sense of like clothes could shape my identity. There was something about it that made me think like, I'm going to look so cool in this vest. Um, and then they did get it for me for Christmas because I wanted it so bad. It was it was blue. They got the color I wanted, but they didn't have the size that I wanted. And so they got it, and it was like one or two sizes too big. And I remember being so excited. 
and then putting it on and immediately running to my dad's bedroom and looking at the full-length mirror and myself in it. And I was like, this is all wrong. I remember looking so boxy in this, like, puffy vest. When he was 16, Joel convinced his parents to send him to public school. It was his junior year. For the first time, he was interacting with all kinds of kids and finally had the freedom to express himself. Joel's second item is from that time. It's a tight, green, thrifted T-shirt he bought at Goodwill. It was, like, the first shirt that, like, hugged my biceps, and I would wear it constantly. I wanted to be preppy, but I couldn't afford it, and so I did the other thing. I was wearing skinny jeans with that studded belt off to the side, a tight thrift store t-shirt, and it was, like, that sort of indignation of, like, I don't—in fact, I don't go to the mall to shop anymore. I look cool because I look how I want to look. Within a month, I smoked weed, drank for the first time, came out of the closet, did everything imaginable that I had never been able to do in my life, and did pretty well in school. By senior year, I was, like, doing the announcements, president of a club, captain of the speech team, all of this while still partying, and doing, like, what I thought was a great job of living two separate lives. So I was out at school my entire junior year, closeted at home. I was just quiet and receding, you know, further and further into myself and sort of shutting out my parents. And then at school, it felt like, you know, I could be free and sort of be, finally sort of live honestly and and see what my life might look like without lying or feeling pressure. And, and you know, I still felt like I was going to hell. <laughs> but um, senior year, my parents read my journal found out that I was gay. Nobody talked about anything. They sent me to Christian counselors who were bogus and bad and made me feel even worse. Basically, like, right around, like, October of my senior year in high school, I moved out. Joel started staying at his friends' houses. He eventually wound up at the home of a classmate who became his best friend and still is to this day. Her father was the Methodist pastor in town. One night at their house turned into the rest of Joel's senior year. They just treated me like one of their kids. You know, like I could come home and talk to her mom about boy troubles. Her dad was like, you're not going to hell. Hell doesn't exist. You are loved. And, you know, I started going to church again with them. Um, and it was just nice. It was the most healing year of my life. If it, it, weirdly, it was just this like funhouse mirror version of the normal quote unquote life that I always wanted, even though it was anything but normal, you know. Um, but it was a close approximation to it. Joel graduated from high school, went off to college, and then moved to Chicago to pursue his degree in theater. During the day, he worked a desk job at Groupon. At night. He wrote and performed with a local theater group and went out on auditions whenever he could. Joel's third item is a pair of blue pants that he turned into cutoffs and wore almost every day during Chicago summers. It was living my literal dream at the time. I wanted to live in a city. I wanted to, like, have gay friends and, like, be gay and, like, live in that community. And, like, that's all I ever wanted. And suddenly I, I had that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to wear sort of, you know, the gay uniform. 
I had great legs and I wanted to wear shorts and I wanted to wear tank tops and that's what I was going to wear. You know, suddenly I was getting called in for like television shows like and 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 commercials and and at that point in, you know, 2011, um, I, you know, it was all like Chinese food delivery boys and lab technicians and nerds and roles that like, um, you know, I, I was happy to, I was, I would have been happy to play any of them, but all the guys that, you know, there were uh, a small group of us that I'd see in the waiting room and they were all like, this isn't paying your dues. I've been doing this for 10 years. These are the roles that we get. And these will be the roles that we'll always get. And I said, that sucks. And so stand-up became increasingly more um, appealing to me because I was like, I, I didn't recognize myself in any of these roles. Not that that's always the paramount thing, but for me, I was like, fuck, this isn't how I see myself. And I would rather write my own material and sort of get it out there that way. So Joel started performing stand-up around town. He told really specific jokes from his own experiences as an adopted gay Asian man. People told him that it would be hard for him to find an audience. You know, early in my career, it was a lot of, like, your niche because you're gay and you're talking about gay stuff and, like, um, all this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, that's not going to make everybody laugh. You've got to make the references broad. You've got to make them appeal to everybody. But Joel disagreed. I never go into writing a joke being like, I'm going to write a quote-unquote gay joke. I'm going to write about my life, and I happen to be a gay man doing gay things sometimes. Dating is intrinsically gay for me. Um, but I'm going to write this joke, and I'm and it, it's going to be funny whether you get every single layer of reference or not. Rejecting conventional advice worked for Joel, not only in his comedy, but his fashion choices on stage, too. There's so many ru- prescriptive rules that stand-ups will tell you. Don't wear shorts on stage. Don't do this. Don't be distracting. Don't do that. But I, I do think that, like, the way I dress does sort of, you know, prime them for the kind of person that I am. And it's a part of it. It's a part of the story. Joel's fourth and final item is a gray crop top with a shark on it. He wore it to the 2016 Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. He wasn't planning to wear it on stage. And they sort of had us come in for a tech rehearsal with like what you wore. And I wore the crop top. The crop top was like something I like thrown on as like, you know, I woke up hungover, just like threw on a crop top and some sweats and then like showed up to this tech where we were supposed to show the, the clothes that we were gonna wear for this. Um, I got on stage, and the stage manager was like, is that what you're wearing? And I looked her dead in the eyes, and I was like, yeah, is that okay? (laughs) And she was like, sure. I had not until that moment planned on wearing the crop top. And I think, like, it was like a weird game of chicken where she was like, if you want to humiliate yourself, and I was like, I feel great in this, so if you're challenging me on that, then fuck you. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up wearing the crop top. But I look great in it. I look great. That was comedian Joel Kim Booster. When we talked, he was wearing a pair of fluorescent blue and pink ski pants and a vintage t-shirt. What are the items you wore in the moments that made you? 
Use the hashtag MyDressCode and let us know. It's kind of wild how our sense of style changes over time. How is it that we can feel great in this one pair of pants for a while, and then one day we put them on, look in the mirror, and they feel completely wrong? Yes, the shape of our body changes, but also our style changes, until one day it just doesn't represent who we are anymore. So we change it up, we experiment, we look to our friends, we look to the street, we adapt until we find what feels right. At least, that's what I do. Thanks so much for listening to this season of Dress Codes. Our show is a production of Gimlet Creative and New Balance. We're produced by Carrie Ann Thomas, James T. Green, and Emily Foreman. Abby Ruzica is our senior producer. Sarah Geis is our editor. Music and mixing by Marcus Bagala. Special thanks to Katherine Anderson and Max Gibson. You can learn more about the show at gimletcreative.com slash dresscodes. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at mspivak. That's E-M-S-P-I-V-A-C-K. I'm Emily Spivak. Thanks for listening to this season of Dress Codes.